Episode three of Night Shift is here, and we've got a lot to break down in the episode today. Kyle Gamard, along with Mike Stubbs, uh, we are we're online now. Mike, we have uh, we have platforms where you can listen to the podcast on multiple networks. It's not just on our social pages at Stubbs nine eighty and at Kyle Gamard. Couple trades, couple games during the weekend, a couple chats as well. Uh, you've uh, you've been busy, Mike. You know what? Uh, there's been a lot happening, that's for sure, because you never know when trades are going to take place. You might be two bites into a bowl of macaroni and cheese, and all of a sudden, there it is. And there were two deals on the same day this week, one that brings the London Knights an overage forward, George Diaco, who's from London, and another that brings the London Knights a defenseman born in 2004, Alec Leonard, both set to make their debuts. Yeah, and that's and it's really exciting, and and we'll preview a couple of those games over the course of the weekend as well. Uh, make sure you follow along with the show as always as we continue to broaden. Is we're only three episodes in, but there is a lot to talk about. Let's start with the with the trade between the London Knights and the Hamilton Bulldogs. So the trade works as London acquires George Diaco in exchange for a 2023 third round pick and a 2024 second round pick, the second round pick coming via Windsor. Diaco is a London native. Mike, you talked about when he used to play with the with the with the junior knights back in Midget and had a chance to go to a championship run. He is fresh off of a campaign in which he did very similar, had 70 points across the season and won an OHL championship with the Bulldogs and went on to play in the Memorial Cup in another overage player. So explain what the thought process is here and, and bringing over a guy like Diaco, what he brings to the team and, and what the move signals. Well, Knights associate general manager, Rob Simpson talked about this right off the start as to how you have to deal with your overagers. You know, obviously that was a very tough decision for our hockey club. Um, Gerard's been with us for, this would have been his fifth season and he came in as a 16 year old and has played well. And, you know, we consider him a top defenseman in the league, so that wasn't an easy decision. I think uh, sometimes with the overage position, you have to go more by necessity than what you'd like to keep, and that's kind of what the situation happened there with Gerard. I mean, obviously, he's a player we would have loved to keep in our lineup, but through the first three games, we knew that we needed some, some point production and some goal scoring up front to be able to help us win more games, and... and uh, we had to make that move to be able to bring George in. And, and we're pretty excited about bringing Alex Leonard in as well, too. Um, he's an 0-4 defenseman, had 16 points and five goals last year with Niagara. And you know what, he's going to kind of lessen it a little bit. That obviously, that we're losing Gerard, we'll never be able to replace him. But we bring in some depth on our back end uh, through that trade as well, too. With that, the London Knights bring in somebody who has, as you outlined, Kyle, done a lot of scoring someone who can be a catalyst offensively, and it is just going to that need for your team. And you might need an overage goalie one year. You might look and say, hey, we've got a really young defense core. Be helpful to have a couple of overage defensemen. Sometimes you need that offensive experience. And I think one of the things that Knights fans got to see was in the game against Sault Ste. Marie, who on Sault Ste. Marie jumped off the page. I think it was Mark Duart. And Mark Duart is very similar to George Diaco in that they're both overage forwards and they both played in Hamilton last year. 
And you have a guy very early on in the year who every single shift was making something happen. And it does go to that experience, what it took to get to the Memorial Cup, what it took to get to the Memorial Cup final. And that's the kind of thing that George Diaco is going to bring and is going to be able to hand off like a baton to players who are younger. When we go back to 2019-2020, We've talked about the team that the London Knights had, the team that had Connor McMichael and the team that had Alec Regula and Brett Brochu in his rookie year, who was setting records as a 17-year-old rookie. They also had Ryan Merkley. That team would have gone a long way in the playoffs. Whether they would have won, who knows? Playoffs are a funny animal sometimes. But that team would have had a lot of playoff experience. And that's something that the Knights, given the success that they've had under Mark and Dale Hunter, have been able to have in their room. And you have players who can pass on, all right, here's the level we need to get to. Here are the things that we need to be doing. And as much as the coaches can say it, because the coaches have been there before, nothing's better than, than having it demonstrated on the ice. And that's what a player who's been through a long playoff run can do. And the pandemic interrupted that for the London Knights so that there are not a lot of players who have that. George Diaco brings that, and that's going to be a key to what he is all about with the London Knights. Just this is how it goes. Watch me. Right, and and you talked about scoring too, and, and so far this season, and we'll talk about the upcoming games, but the Knights so far in three games have mustered four goals, and, and a lot of that production has come from the back end. Now, a lot of season left. You know, there's still guys trying to figure out. There's a lot of turnover with this team. There's a lot of unfamiliarity in terms of the line combinations, and there were a lot of goals that were taken away due to players like Antonio Stranges and Luke Evangelista. So bringing in another offensive catalyst and weapon Definitely doesn't hurt the team. Um, and you you had actually a chance, Mike, to catch up with, with Diaco and, and chat with him about returning to London, playing for a team that he also grew up watching and, you know, all that fun stuff. Definitely. He is somebody who has worn a London Knights uniform before, and that's where we started, counting back the years to the last time he had a London Knights logo on his chest. Minor hockey. We were in uh, Game 7 versus Brantford. That's right. So I, that was a tough one. Yeah, we ended up losing that game. <laughs> well, when you think about putting that sweater back on, it's I don't know how different it was. What what night sweater were you wearing back then? It was a junior night sweater there. So was it the gold logo or was it the old-fashioned knight's head? I think it was the gold logo there, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. So you have the gold logo on. Now you're coming back. You're putting on the London Knights sweater. You're in the London Knights room. As a guy from London, what has that transition been like, even though you know, you've been in this league a long time? Yeah, it's, I think it's crazy, honestly, just because I've been watching these guys my whole life, and now I'm, I'm playing for them for my last year. So it's, it's an awesome opportunity. Take us back to some memories from being in the stands or watching a game or whatever it was where they were playing and they were doing something. What do you remember? What would be like the highlight is of watching these players? Uh, I would remember it just didn't look like an OHL game. It looked like an NHL barn for sure. Uh, I remember in the concourse just being thousands of people and just everyone had a smile on their face, so it was a good time. Any particular game or any particular team that you remember as a kid that you watched? Um, I remember I was here for London versus Oshawa when they had a teddy bear toss, so that was a good night. <laughs> <laughs> How, did you land your teddy bear on the ice? 
Yeah, I did. First try. Nice. And did you play any baseball or anything like that? No, no baseball. Just hockey for me. <laughs> just athletically gifted. All right. Well, then you wind up playing for the London Nationals, drafted by the Hamilton Bulldogs. When did you realize, you know what? I think I can do that. I think I can make the step to the OHL. Well, um, after I got drafted, I, um, I went right to the Nationals, and we had a good year that year. We ended up winning the whole thing, and I produced pretty good, so I thought next year I might have a chance of making it. And then I ended up signing halfway through, so it was perfect. When you get that call to say, hey, guess what? We like what you're doing. We want you to be a part of this organization. What was that call like? I remember I was uh, shoveling the pond because I was uh, right about to go pond hockey, and then I got a call freezing, and then I heard it put a smile on my face. So is that a pond near your house? Yeah, right in front of my house. <laughs> nice. So it, was there a lot of hockey played there? Just me and my dad. <laughs> no way. Yeah. So would he take you through drills and things, or was it just for fun? Mostly just for fun, get on the ice for a bit. Nice. So you wind up going to Hamilton, and then you're introduced to the OHL. What do you remember from being a young player in the OHL? Romero was really fast. Transition was really hard, and then you just had to stay with your game and just be confident. How quickly does it start to slow down? Your second year, your third year, now? I think it's whenever you develop confidence and you just play your own game, because then once I started touching the puck more, maybe getting power play, it just it all slowed down for me. When you go back to last year, everybody was trying to figure out, coming out of the pandemic, who was going to be good. Did you guys look around the room and, and know pretty quickly, we've got something here, a couple more pieces, and look out? Yeah, I think so. I remember uh, I, was, uh, I was texting everybody on the team when they worked pretty hard during quarantine, so it was good that they did that because it paid off. You spent more time on the pond during quarantine? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so last year it starts to build, and you start to separate yourself from the pack a little bit. What did it take for you guys to actually go all the way last year? I think just um, playing as a team, that was our biggest thing. We were, we were all one. We all played for each other, and we just did the right things, and I think it worked out. When you look at the depth that you had, what do you say about line after line? It didn't seem to matter what line was going on the ice. Good things could happen. Yeah, we had like um, we didn't really do first line, second line. It was just if you're on the ice, make something happen, and it ended up working out for us because we had four lines that could make an impact on the ice. You meet Windsor in the final. Was that your biggest pushback? Was that the hardest series? Yeah, for sure. It took us to Game 7, so it was the hardest. So closing out that Game 7, what was the difference there? I think we just wanted a little more. I remember that game we were just winning more puck battles and just uh, blocking more shots, stuff like that. So. And in the end, you know, it wasn't like you had to win it in overtime. It wasn't like you had to win it by a goal. The celebration, what did that feel like? It was Words can't describe. It was unbelievable just sharing that moment with my teammates. You get to St. John, you get to the Memorial Cup. That first game wasn't easy. No, it wasn't. It was, I wouldn't blame it on the plane leagues, but it was just we, uh, we were kind of beaten down, but there was no excuse we didn't perform the best that first game. And still, look at what you did getting back to where you did. What did it take to do that? I think it was just knowing what we got in the room. We knew we had a good team, and uh, it was just we had to play with confidence. That's about it. And now you look overage year, you come back to your hometown to finish it out. You can almost write a movie script. Yeah, seriously. Um, it's, it's awesome. I can't even explain the way I'm feeling right now. It's just awesome. Do you know any or many of the guys in the room? Yeah, I, during the summer I skated with a bunch of them, so it's easy to come in. They're all nice guys. They made it easy for me to walk in. And then what do you see your role as being here? I just say as a, 
leader with experience because I did all that stuff last year. Just show kind of the young guys uh, what it takes and stuff like that. Well, welcome back to London. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. So George is excited to be here. He gets to hang out with his family a little bit more, and he gets to bring that wealth of experience. And let's break down the next trade as well, Kyle, because when we look at the two moves, it's interesting to match everything up. The Knights gave up a second-round pick and a third-round pick to Hamilton to get George Diaco. And then they get a second and a third round pick back in the deal that brought them Alec Leonard and sent Jared Keene to Niagara. And Jared Keene also had a 12th round pick in that deal. So going out on that same day, if we're to take away the wash that is the second and the third round pick, the Knights trade a very good defenseman in Jared Keene, a guy that, as Rob Simpson pointed to, was not somebody that you want to trade away, but because of the way that they needed to make use of their overagers, they had to start thinking about these things. And Jared Keene is really valuable. So Jared Keene and a 12th round pick brings the London Knights, Alec Leonard and George Diaco. Leonard is 18, so he still has time left in the league for overage defenseman Jared Keene and a 12th round pick. Well, and, and and that's been the tricky part, right, is the uh, the number of overage players on the London Knights so far. And when you look through the game scripts, you'll notice something. You'll notice that Jared Keane is not on those 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 game lists because he hasn't made a play yet. So he gets to go to, to Niagara now. Maybe he plays a little bit more. And now London brings in a player like George Diaco. And like you said, another young defenseman who can grow and build and it's a really good fit, I think, for Leonard, who is a guy who, you know, last season came in. Uh, he had 16 points in 64 games on really the back end for the uh, for the Ice Dogs over his career there. He's a right-hand shot defenseman as well. You know, as guys start filtering off this team, they need young guys to step in and play really big roles. We've seen that already with, with guys like Sam Dickinson and the injuries and, you know, guys like uh, Isaiah George who haven't been in the lineup. So, We've seen a lot of younger defensemen have to step in into big roles, and this will be a guy that has a good depth spot on this team, and God forbid something happens, there's an injury, players leave for the World Junior Hockey Championships, get called up to the, the NHL level. There are guys now in place to play who have experience on the back end. And how wild is it, Kyle? I don't know what it is about defensemen, but this happens, and you can talk to any number of teams. If you look at the London Knights depth chart coming into this year, there were nine defensemen on it. And you think, how are we going to find time for all of these defensemen? The Knights enter a game against the Erie Otters, and they are missing Logan Mayu, who is at the recording of this podcast, still in Montreal with the Canadians. So they didn't have him. Isaiah George was still out with a lower body injury. You had, at that time, Jared Keene out with an upper body injury. And Bryce Montgomery couldn't go because he was a little banged up from the game against Sault Ste. Marie. So you take those four defensemen and you put them on an American Hockey League team and they'll say, yeah, our defense core is young, but I think it's pretty good. Those guys were missing. And next thing you know, the Knights are playing with 5D just three games into the season. You can never have enough defensemen. No, and yeah, four out of six, that's, if my math is correct, about 66.7% of your entire decor uh, gone on opening night, which is a tough hole to fill. And normally you can fill those spots in if it's one or even two of those guys. But 
Four is a big number, and you know the, the trade for Sam Dickinson. Um, he's immediately played a really big role within this organization. Ethan McKinnon has stepped up and played a lot as well. Connor Federkow has gotten into games. We saw him as a rookie last year. Oliver Bonk, of course, scoring the uh, I think the opening goal for the London Knights this season. So it's been a lot of younger guys who have had to step in and play significant roles. So this just adds another depth guy and. As the Knights slowly start to get these players back into the fold, we've already seen it with Bryce Montgomery. At some point, we will see it with Logan Mayu, and eventually we'll see it with Isaiah George as well. This is a very deep defensive core that is going to help out both defensively and offensively too. So I think once everything is in place for London, I think that's going to be the time where we can evaluate things because right now they're they're missing a lot of guys on the back end. They're figuring out things up front too. It's just... I think the process is going to take a little bit longer. So I get the, the trades for both end for acquiring Alec Leonard and George Diaco. I'm, I'm excited to see where these guys fit into the mold. It was reminiscent of the Tampa Bay lightning in their first game this year where, yeah, you had some pieces that were no longer there. And then you had some younger players on the back end kind of figuring some things out. And so, yeah, you're right. The London Knights are now looking to see what happens with George Diaco and Alec Leonard in the lineup. They will be going to Niagara very soon to take on Alec Leonard's old team. That'll be on October the 27th. It's a Thursday night in Niagara. We'll be talking in a few minutes about the Knights going to Hamilton this coming Sunday, and they will be taking on George Diaco's old team. Niagara is an interesting team to watch right now because if you go back to June the 30th, there have been 48 trades in the OHL. Niagara has been involved in 19 of them. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this before. Again, they're under new ownership and there has been certainly some movement within the franchise, but 19 of 48 trades. That's 39.5%. That's basically two out of every five trades have the ice dogs in them. And uh, that's something to monitor. Will it stop now? Is Niagara's roster set? I'm fascinated to find out. Uh, if I'm a betting man, I'm not betting money on saying that their roster is fixated for the next while. I think if if that's the continuing case, especially as the year goes on, once the trade deadline comes in, teams start to evaluate where they are in the standings. That's that's going to be really intriguing. And that game uh, coming up is also going to be interesting. Speaking of games that are coming up, uh, a pair of them this weekend as the London Knights are looking for that first victory of the season. It is going to be, it's it's a very tough test for London Knights. They started at home on Friday against the Mississauga Steelheads. And then, like you said, Mike, they go to First Ontario Centre to take on the Bulldogs on Sunday at 2 p.m. Steelheads, like I said, 3-1 start. Uh, they lost to Sudbury to kick, to bring the record to one and one. They've rattled off two straight wins versus, uh, I believe, Sudbury and Erie afterwards. Um, Zachary Lavoy leads the team, four goals, five points the first four games. It's their goaltending that has been very good. Um, their starting net minor has the goals against average of 1.61 and a save percentage of, if I, th I have these numbers right, 966. Yeah, and he was kind of a wild card coming in, Alessio Beglieri, because Mississauga had traded Joe Ranger, an overage player, to Sudbury in the offseason. You would think, wait a minute, wait a minute, he's good. I mean, this team has a lot of NHL draft picks on it. They might have some high hopes this year. 
are you sure you want to trade Joe Ranger to the Sudbury Wolves? Begley Aries come in. He's from Switzerland. He played for BLBN last year, and he had a 213 goals against average in 21 games. He was with their under-20s. He's a guy that's really aggressive, really unorthodox. I don't know how Dominic Hasek he is, but that sort of thing where he's aggressive in his moves and he'll just put things in front of the puck. He's not the biggest guy. He's five foot 11, 170 pounds. There is a good defense core in front of him. And that's led by Ethan Del Mastro, who's a Chicago Blackhawks pick. Isaac Enright, who was another one of those players traded somewhere from Niagara. So those two are, are very, very good. These are players though, who the Knights are really having to go to school on. And you know who's working the hardest this week, Kyle? It isn't the players. It's the coaches, the coaching staff, because they really didn't have to pay a lot of attention to Mrs. Saga and to Hamilton last year from a let's develop a game plan to play these teams simply because you weren't going to play them. And so this is a pretty hard hat kind of week for the coaches. We talked to Dylan Hunter about that and how you deal with really getting to know just not five or six new faces or who's developed and who's maybe on the power play this year that wasn't on the power play last year. Probably easier for the players to just kind of go in as coaching staff. You know, we like ourselves, we didn't watch many games with them because we didn't have to. So we know the guys that we should know with the Becks and uh, Del Mastros, but uh, just seeing what their systems are and, and how they are. Missy plays hard. They're big. They're skilled. They're a good team. They, they, they gave Owen Sound uh, a good run uh, for their money last weekend. So it'll be good. It's nice to play different teams and see different <laughs> different setups and systems though it's fun for us to two trades in one day give coaches now a chance to look and say okay what do we do so let's start with george diaco how does he fit uh, you know, he's an explosive uh, offensive talent for us. He's been in the league quite a few years on winning teams. So he, he gives us leadership in the room and on ice. He gives us uh, another guy on the power play. Another guy can drive the puck, drive the play, good speed up through the, the neutral zone. You've been in rooms where a guy will come in and he's got leadership abilities. How does he go from being the new guy to being somebody who can actually say something i mean it depends personality usually you know some guys are louder than others uh some guys let their work on the ice do it but uh, you know i met george he, he knows a few of the guys i think nowadays guys know each other so much more with you know social media and how they practice in the summers uh with uh, spring hockey and summer hockey that some of our guys already knew him so it's a pretty uh, seamless transition on defense alec leonard comes in born in 2004 18 year old player how does he fit uh, you know he's good. We have, right now we have a couple couple D we're out, so it's uh, it's a good. He's a right-handed shot, which is good. Uh, you know we don't we have a lot of lefties. Uh, we liked him in his draft year. You know he's, he hits, he plays hard, he has some good skill, can skate, and uh, you know excited to see what he can do. Dylan and Dale Hunter and Rick Stedman and Rob Simpson and hey, if you need advice to ask Mark Hunter something, he's there. But there've been a lot of eyes on both the Mississauga Steelheads and the Hamilton Bulldogs this week because you've got to find a way to learn everything you need to know about what these teams do having not faced them. And you can't go back to the games in 2019, 2020. Everything's too different. Yeah, the changeover is way too much. I mean, if you just want to go based on years, uh, London has played Mississauga just three times over the last five years, which seems insane for the OHL level. But based on, you know, with the change in schedule last year and limiting the amount of teams you played in the, in the pandemic, it's 
kind of adds up. And in the same thing with Hamilton, they never had a taste and Hamilton was a very good team last year. And so far are also a really good team starting three and one as well. Logan Morrison's going to be a player that you have to watch out for. And it's uh, yeah, it's, it's like you have to review some things like, Oh yeah, we have to, we're not playing uh, you know, the same team. We're not playing Sarnia 14 times this season. It's a little bit more spread out this year. Definitely. And that makes it, different and it brings the league back together you're not just looking at two sides west and east it brings the leagues back together it's uh it's been pretty good and uh it'll be a very very exciting weekend as well as i mentioned the london knights looking for win number one and they begin that quest on friday against mississauga and then on sunday they go to hamilton to take on the hamilton bulldogs and i believe that uh that covers it for today for this week. Uh, we appreciate everybody being patient with us, of course, um, with the long weekend. We weren't able to record on Monday, but we're going back to two episodes per week starting on a Monday of next week. And that does it for episode three of Night Shift. Uh, Stubbs, Friday night, you're going to be calling the game on 980 CFPL. What are you looking for from London in that one before we wrap up? I think just a continuation of something they were trying to do against Erie. And while it didn't pay off, it was there. And that's a good sign. When they had a video session during the week preparing to face Sault Ste. Marie and preparing to face Erie, one of the things that they talked about was, hey, you know, we know that teams are willing to put a lot of bodies in front of their net against us. And that's been a tactic that Owen Sound used. And that's been a tactic they've seen this year. And one of the things they talked about was just putting the puck wide and then creating a little bit of chaos in and around the net, finding ways to score those dirty goals. If goals are not coming, you want to be doing things like that. And so that was something that you saw more of in Erie. And I think that's only going to grow. And that's going to be the way that you have to get that offense going and as soon as you get a couple of guys who have scored then everything feels easier and everybody's not gripping harder and and trying harder you just have to let it come and sometimes this will happen 10 games into a season 40 games into a season right now it's happening early on in the season but really that's the best time for something like this to happen because you face a little adversity first and then you think all right now we're rolling so i look for for signs or maybe even victories that allow them to say, all right, now we're rolling. Signs, victories, and of course, the debuts of newly acquired London Knights, Alec Leonard and George Diaco. It all gets going on Friday. That does it for Night Shift Episode 3. Make sure to follow the podcast online. It's posted all up on our socials with our friends over at 980CFPL. Uh, Mike Stubbs is at Stubbs980, myself at Kyle Grimard. Enjoy the weekend. We will see you next week.